0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. The sermon series that I started uh, last week entitled Me Also Me. And um, it's really it's looking at um, you, really using some of the memes. Uh, you might have seen some of the me also memes. I uh, have a couple of them here for you just to give an example of what of what exactly I'm talking about. So uh, me, um, I'm not a cl- uh, a basic Christian, and then oceans comes on, and then also me. Uh, anyway, they kind of crank it up. Uh, we, we have another one as well to give you an idea. Me, I hate drama. Uh, also me. <laughs> So um, anyway, if the shoe fits, uh, c- kind of what we're talking about with me also me is the, the distance, I guess you could say, the, the gap um, between the me that you want to be, the me that you're called to be, and the also me um, that you are. And uh, I think sometimes we can, we can get discouraged in the middle of that gap. We can, we can give up in the middle of that gap. And honestly, I think just simply recognizing that we all live in that gap. That all of us are in some are in some space between uh, the me that uh, God wants us to be and the me that we are. We all have a me and we all have an also me. Um, This is illustrated in the life of Peter, which we read from last week in John chapter one. Jesus meets Peter, who we call Peter, but actually his name was Simon. And uh, he meets Simon for the first time, and he says, "You are Simon. Uh, You are Simon, but you shall be." cephas which is translated peter is why we call him peter he, he he immediately draws the distinction between who he is and who he is becoming and um, i think it's so important that we understand that because because otherwise you get discouraged because you're not who you want to be or who you think you should be and yet god sees you exactly where you are and he sees what he what he has placed inside of you and he's not discouraged in that process so really this this sermon series is about it's about making that journey. It's about taking the next step in that journey. And it's not that in the next three weeks, you know, we're going to be all the way in that journey. But if I can help you take one step in the next three weeks, if I can even help you get some perspective on that journey in the next three weeks, I will have done my job pretty well. And uh, really, we're, we, we want you to start to see the potential that God has for you. So last Sunday, I, I started it off with a sermon entitled, um, You've Got Potential. You have potential. Yes, you. I know. Typically, that's 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 a kind of a Texas way of telling somebody they don't have much talent. Um, you know you have potential, honey. You, 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 you really do. Like it hasn't come out yet, but I'm sure it's in there somewhere, you know? And so we're kind of taking that sort of slap in the face and we're just owning it, you know? We got potential. Uh, we are the world's okayest church and darn it, we have potential. And uh, I think that's a good thing. I think when Jesus sees us, he sees the potential that is inside of us. And, 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 and he loves that. So no matter how rough, you are on the outside, no matter how, how, how messed up you look today, you have potential. So just turn to somebody next to you who, who's looking especially good and just tell them that they have potential. Uh, you have potential. You have, like you have, like you, and, 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 and if all of us in this room have potential, then that means our church has potential. I'm excited about the potential of City Chapel. I'm excited that we've been going 3 years and we got potential. We're not we're we're not where we where we're going to be, but darn it, we we're, we're going somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like we have potential. I'm excited about the potential of the people that God's bringing in here, the quality of the people, the talents of the of the people that are, that, are, that are coming into this place, the heart of the people who are here that that we have people who believe that people are worth it. And that tells me that we got potential. You might not even know necessarily be living like people are worth it very much but as long as you believe it at least you got some potential and and and, and as a church tomorrow afternoon at one o'clock I have a meeting with a with the leasing agency to sign for a three-year lease for a new building that we're going to be moving into in September and so I'm excited about that potential like it's it's growing you know what I'm saying and and, uh, and 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 you don't you don't even know the fullness of your potential yet but God sees it and I'm excited about this news this new area that we're moving I mean one the building has potential because it's like a big warehouse with like some offices and we're gonna like draw the potential out of that sucker like it's not gonna be a big warehouse with offices all day Um, we're gonna do some demo work we're gonna do a lot of prayer and a lot of demo and uh, then a lot of building and we're gonna be putting trusses up and all kinds of lighting and stuff and and I, I, I can see the potential in the building and it takes a certain kind of somebody to walk into a place and see something that's not there yet and believe for something that's not not there yet but believe that it's going to be and see the bridge between here and there and I'm excited about the bridge that we're beginning to walk across even right now in the plans in the architect plans in the lighting plans and the floor plans and the kids like like the, the kids area Eddie has Eddie's a great artist I don't know if you know that pastor Eddie with the kids and he's already drawn this amazing like layout for our kids ministry so we have like the world's okayest church, church we're gonna have like the world's most awesome kids area in our 3300 square feet you know it's like insane. And I'm like, what in the world? So I'm excited about the potential. I'm excited about the fact that like when we stepped into this space in Williams Elementary, we brought out the potential of this space. We contributed to the potential of Williams Elementary. Where the, 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 the potential for kids to be fed, the potential for, for kids to be read to throughout the week, the potential for them to actually have adult chairs to use and a projector and a, and a, and a screen that we donated, and so many ways that we've blessed this school. I'm excited. Excited about going to the next. Neighborhood that they don't even know what's about to hit them like city chapel is about to move into their neighborhood And we're gonna bring out the potential the good inside of them We're gonna bless their socks off men elementary doesn't even know we're like right next door to them They don't even know and it, and it's interesting like in the physical world Like right now men elementary is is building a new school right next to the school Like they're under construction starting August 1st and at the same time we're under construction spiritually and we're going to the next level spiritually and I'm just excited to see City Chapel I mean I, I, I like the beta version and those of you that have been a part of the beta version thank you I love it but 2.0 is really exciting to me all of us coming together no more two services for the first month we're gonna to come together as one church under one roof with like one worship moment and it's gonna be awesome I'm excited about getting 200 plus people in the same room at the same time like that's exciting we're gonna shove some chairs together and it's gonna work and uh, I mean just to have our own space. So I don't know. Forgive me if I'm a little bit off on the whole potential thing, but I'm just feeling it right now. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not every day that you move into a building. It's actually been three years for us that we've been setting up and tearing down every stinking Sunday and finally we're actually just gonna set up and leave it. Like I'm excited about the potential of that experience and then the potential for who we can bless and who we can reach out to in that place. And not only that, I'm excited about the potential in you all, but anyway, that was all last week's sermon. See, you guys got me. See, this is this is why it takes so long, because like, I re-preached, like, last week's stuff, and I need to stop doing that. Okay, so, so, so to, today, though, I want to talk about sort of the next step. Uh, in Peter's journey, the next step in Simon's journey, I should say. His name is still Simon. Uh, in the Bible, his name is Simon, and it becomes Peter. But, but, but there, was, there, was, there was a road for Simon. Simon met Jesus, but then we see Simon again in Luke chapter 5. So if you have a Bible... Um, turn there and um, I've, I've asked him to I've asked him to play a little music to help me help me not go too long but Luke chapter 5 uh, Luke chapter 5 verse 1 we're going to read from, from Luke chapter 5 verse 1 it says so it was uh, as the multitude pressed about him so it was the, the, the word actually in the original language so it was means that it happened what happened life happened Uh, So it was. So So it happened that as the multitude was pressing about Jesus to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Do you see that? He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's boat. And the fishermen... Simon and his buddies are washing their nets and Jesus gets into Simon's boat and asks him to put out a little from the land. He sat down, taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, key word, when they had done this, there's a lot that happens after you do it. Not a whole lot happens before you do it. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking and they signaled to their partners in other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter, now the author is calling him Simon Peter. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, my Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. That's key. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men or you will bring men and women into my kingdom. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. This passage um, this passage is interesting. It's one of the passages that uh, the critics of the Bible point to. Uh, one of the one of the complaints um, by the the critics, which, by the way, you're always going to have critics, and uh, you shouldn't totally ignore them because usually they have a point. Uh, they have some kind of point, or they wouldn't be believing what they believe but the critics of the bible one of the things that they that they point to is that is that the bible contradicts itself they say that you know you read the four gospels which are supposed to be about the same story and yet sometimes they tell different versions and it's almost like it's contradictory Uh, And it is true that this is one of the passages that they point to because when when you look at John chapter 1, which I preached on last week, the way that Peter found Jesus, or Simon, I should say, found Jesus is Simon's brother, Andrew. Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Jesus looked at Simon and said, you are Simon, you shall be Cephas. And then Simon started following him. And, and, and it seems like he followed him for a while. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, he is with Jesus. Simon is with Jesus. And Jesus goes to Simon's house. And at Simon's house is Simon's mother-in-law. Uh, and so Jesus prays for Simon. Uh, but, no, just kidding. Uh, his mother-in-law is sick at his house. And so Jesus heals his mother-in-law. And so Jesus and Simon, they have this relationship. Obviously, they've been—he's been called to be a disciple. I mean, he seems like he's with them. But then you come to Luke chapter five, and it's like there's some fishermen out there. He's been rowing all—he's been—he's been fishing all night. He's not been with Jesus. It's like he doesn't hardly even know Jesus. <laughs> I don't know—I don't know if the critics have ever been to Austin, but this is really not that weird. You know what I mean? Like from from ten years of pastoring personal experience, and even from my own life, I can tell you that sometimes even though Jesus has spoken into my life, even though Jesus has done amazing things for me, the truth is you can turn the next page in the next chapter and then find me doing something that it's like I don't even know Jesus. I'm not even following him. I'm not even connected to him." And so the critics have a point. The critics say, this is so weird. This is so different from John chapter 1 that obviously John is making up his story because it is so bizarre to think that a guy who has this amazing encounter with Jesus would then turn around and leave Jesus and go back to fishing. But having lived a little bit, I can tell you it's not that uncommon. It's not that weird. It's actually pretty normal. This is the human condition. Simon is very much like all of us. Simon is entirely human. He's not, He just because you check off the um, disciple box in your life, just because you get the badge, doesn't mean that you're that you're with him forever. And that's probably my first point is that potential is not permanent. Just because you have potential, just because Jesus sees it and calls it out of you, just because you believe in it, doesn't mean it's just naturally going to happen. There's this long gap between the me and the also me. And, and there's a lot of sort of dips in between. There's a lot of valleys in between those mountains. There's a lot of times in which it looks like this, you're not the same, it's not the same guy who was called Cephas. In fact, he's not even called Cephas here. He's just Simon. He's just a fisherman. He's just, he's, just he's, he's not even interested in what Jesus is doing. And it seems like two different guys, but but this is this is life. This is the me and the also me. We all have the me that God is calling us to be. And we have the also me that we are. And I think you see it in the story and the critics are right. This is weird. It is strange, but it is not unhuman. It is not unnatural. It's very normal to fall back to what, uh, what you're used to, to fall back into your comfort zone, to, to really feed yourself with the ways that you have always fed yourself. Basically Simon was following Jesus as late as chapter four and then suddenly he wasn't getting fed there anymore. And so he went back to the ocean. He went back to the sea where he knew how to be fed. He knew how to meet his needs that way. And honestly, my prayer for you is that your journey is kind of like Simon's. I pray that you that you are like Simon in that if you go back, if you go back to what used to bring you comfort, if you go back to what used to feed you, I love how Simon, he fished all night and caught nothing. So my prayer for you is that after you've had an encounter with Jesus and after you've seen your potential, that you would be so jacked up for going back to what you used to rely on, that you are actually bad at what you used to be awesome at. My prayer for you is that you get such a vision of what God wants for you that you are so uncomfortable with with settling for what you always used to settle for. The dude's been out all night, has caught nothing. He's a fisherman by trade. That's what he does. He doesn't do anything but fish. He fishes all the time. It's not like me going out fishing. This is Simon, the fisherman, the son of Jonah. His dad is named after a guy who was bait himself you know what i'm saying like jonah like the fish finds you like this guy goes back out to what he's always known and he comes back empty and my prayer for you is that is that is that the alcohol tastes empty and that the parties feel empty and that the and that the purpose that you used to find in all of this stuff seems empty compared to where you have been and what you have known and I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's that bad that people go back to fishing because sometimes it just reminds them that there really is nothing for me out here. There's a reason why I, my heart was stirred up when Jesus spoke to me. There's a reason why I came alive when he started speaking about my potential because I don't want to be a fisherman all my life. And in fact, I'm not that good at it anymore anyway. And he doesn't get any fish. He's out fishing all night. He doesn't get any fish. Life happens and there he is. And that's my prayer for you, that if you return to your fishing, that you would find it as empty as Simon did. And Simon's coming back in. And and and, and, and this story, I, 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 I don't know, it's not really written necessarily, but in my imagination, I mean, it is written that Simon was fishing all night and that Jesus just showed up on the on the side of the sea of Galilee just teaching some folks which which tells me that like Jesus is sneaky you know what I mean like he's 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 real sneaky like the dude like like he could be in Hollywood for acting skills cuz he just he's acting like this all an accident He's acting like it's, it's all just just happenstance. He's so chill about it. Like Jesus shows up and he's like he's like guys, you know, um, we're gonna have church tomorrow morning. I this is my imagination. Maybe it was a Sunday, and he says Sunday morning at um, I don't know like 11:15 just throwing it out there. And he says, we're going to have church 1115 on the side of the Sea of Galilee. Tell your friends, let's get somebody to do the coffee and donuts. And so they're they all set up at 1115 and he starts teaching. The crowd gathers and they're having church. And then behind Jesus, Peter is coming in from working all night and he's coming in about I oh, no, don't know, eleven forty-five. He's on City Chapel time, and and uh, he figured he missed the worship, get there for the word. But anyway, he's coming in. He's rolling. He's rolling. He's rolling in from a hard night's work, and he and he looks behind him, and he notices that like, hey, that that looks like Jesus, and and there's a crowd, and he's standing on my dock, and he thinks, man, I can't get away from this guy. <laughs> Like, I I, I left him. I I left him to go do my thing. And now he's come on my territory. He's coming to my backyard. And he's teaching right there on my dock. And you got to know, Simon just slowed down a minute. You got to know he lifted up those oars and he... Man, I, I, I meant to stop by Starbucks first. I think I, 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 I'm i not sure if my mother in law is doing good. I need to go to Galilee and check on her. You know, his brains kind of, his, his buddies are with him and they're like, Simon, why are you slowing down? And he's like, what? You know, I don't know. Um, I was happy to get back and go to get, get some sleep, but I don't know now. You know, I'm thinking about this. And, and so then finally he's like, guys, let's, let's, let's just, there's a crowd there. Let's go over here to the right. Let's just, come on, let's, let's, let's move around this way. And he parks off to the side, gets out of his boat, gets around to the other side of the boat, right, hiding from Jesus, and whips his net out and just starts cleaning it, like, like nothing's going on. And 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 if you don't if you don't know the story, like if you haven't read Luke chapter four or John chapter one, if you're just one of the crowd members, you think, oh, it's just another fisherman coming on in from a day's work, and Jesus is blocking his entrance, and so he he's over there, and you wouldn't understand the tension that was in the air, like you know, like the 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 the, the depth of the tension in the air that while Jesus is preaching, teaching, he's aware there's this guy, I don't know, 15 feet, 30 feet, 30 yards, probably felt like 30 miles away from him who used to be with him, who he saw so much potential in him, but he had left him. And that, that that the the tension, and you gotta know the other disciples picked up on it. They're like they're they're like that, that's that's Simon, that's like apparently the Rock, right? Simon the Rock, yeah, that's he's super rock like, and, and you know, like they, they understand suddenly that it's a setup that Jesus decided to teach at the very place where he knew Simon was coming home for the night. It's a setup that, and and this is my prayer for you that you would meet the sneaky Jesus. They, I mean, you've heard of the loving Jesus, you've heard of the merciful Jesus, but there's a sneaky Jesus who shows up in just natural stuff. Like he acts like it's nothing. He acts like he didn't tell Harry to preach on this because you needed it. He acts like Harry just is in this sermon series and it's just normal. And it all and and a lot of times people come up to me and like 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 how did you know that? How did you know that I was that I even said that? And I said I didn't know you said anything. I am I'm trying to control my own life. I don't have time to look into yours. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't have no idea what you're talking about. But you met the sneaky. Jesus basically Jesus snuck up on you like don't underestimate the sneakiness because he sneaks up on you like he just you don't even hear it coming you don't see it coming and you're going about your life and you're doing your thing and suddenly he's there again wow right in front of you again and this dude like won't leave me alone and my prayer for you is that you meet the Jesus who just won't let you go back to what you used to be and he's just there acting like it's nothing, acting like, well, this is where we always have church, isn't it boys? Isn't this where we always set up and tear down right here? And he's just going through the motions, but, 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 but what's most important is not who he's speaking to, but who he's waiting for. He's preaching to this whole group of people, but he's waiting for one. He's waiting for one to come rowing in the back, scoot off to the side and act completely uninterested. And Simon, by the way, while he's cleaning his nets, he's sitting there cleaning his nets. The reason why he's cleaning his nets because his nets are super dirty. The reason why they're dirty is because he didn't catch anything back in those days the way that they would go fishing is they would have two boats one on one side one on the other they have a big net called a drag net and uh, they had rocks and stuff on the bottom to make it heavy and this like this boat would hold one end of the rope this boat would hold the other end and then they lower the net and it drag along the bottom so they'd be rowing through the sea of galilee dragging along the bottom hoping to catch some fishing and occasionally you grab the front end lift it up see the fish and so all night, Simon's been doing this and it starts to feel heavy. All right, we got something. And it's like, no, it's just a bunch of seaweed and mud and um, trash, you know? Uh, those Romans were huge litterers. They were like plastic bottles everywhere. And, uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, uh, it was the Pharisees. They were the litterers. and so you know, so he's got he's picking up everybody's old papyrus paper and junk, and and you know he, he he comes back, and yeah, he doesn't have any fish. He's got a lot of mud. He's got a lot of seaweed. He's got a lot of junk, and this is what like this this picture in my mind is such a picture of City Chapel almost every Sunday. Like almost every Sunday, there are people who are who are here to listen. Right? There's the crowd and they're like, oh, that's, 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 that's interesting. And then there's like the disciples, like people who are in it. And they're like, they're they're like, yeah, I'm I'm going for God. But then there's always like one or two guys sitting off to the side, just trying to get the junk out of their life until they feel worthy enough to come into the circle. And that's Simon. Simon, and that's what happens when you try to feed yourself by yourself. You end up collecting everybody else's trash. You, you end up getting all the junk of every, that everybody else has tossed out the back of their boats, everything they don't want. You collect it. Like he's been cleaning the Sea of Galilee all night is all he's been doing. He's been collecting junk. And that's what happens when whenever, when, when whenever you try to feed yourself by yourself. Whenever you leave God's potential for you and you just try to make it on your own, you end up collecting all this junk and you sit off to the side. You don't even feel worthy to get involved and to be near Jesus because I have so much dirt in my life. You don't understand, Pastor. I got this problem. I got that problem. And, and there's this uh, re- residue from that relationship and this wound from this past hurt. And you're sitting there cleaning off to the side. And what I love is the whole time, I don't even think Simon figured out what was going on. He was just hiding behind the boat. While he's hiding behind the boat cleaning, Jesus is migrating the crowd over this way. Like, like, Simon's trying to get away from Jesus and Jesus is like, well, okay, if you're not going to park there, I'll just come on over here. And, 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 and the Bible says, I think it's verse three in verse three, uh, Jesus walks over to Peter's boat, like didn't just pick any old boat, picked Simon's boat and he got into it. He just sits down in a boat that's beached up on the shore. He just sits down in the boat and he looks down at Simon and says, dude, um, could you maybe push me out? And like, it, like just uh, I just need somebody, you know, to push me out. It's not like none of his other disciples could just push him off the shore. I mean, it's totally it, like, it's not about what God can get from you. He, instead Instead, God, Jesus is asking Simon to come into the boat. Like even when Simon didn't want Jesus in his boat, when Simon wouldn't accept or, 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 or request Jesus to come into his boat, Jesus just got into his boat and then requested that Simon join him. Like this is what Jesus does for those who feel unworthy, for those who feel broken and, and dirty and messed up and, and unable to enter back into their potential. He just moves right into your boat and says, would you join me in this? Would you just come with me? And it's not because he wants what you can give him because he can get that from anybody. It's not what you can do for him. He could have a bazillion people. He could have angels do stuff for him. And even me, he could have you know way better people preaching. It's not about that. It's, about, it's not about my gift. It's about my presence. He wants me in the boat. And he wants you in the boat. He wants to be near you. It doesn't have anything to do with what you you can offer him. Uh, He's he's already gotten in the boat. And so he asked Simon to to row and and to move him on out uh, from the shore so he could teach. And Simon does that. Simon is there and he teaches. I don't know what he preached on. uh, But at the end of his sermon, he turns to Simon and says, hey, let's go. Let's go out deeper and catch something. I noticed your boat was empty. And that's always when Jesus shows up, isn't it? It's like so embarrassing. It's like, man, like everything that I was going for, like like he shows up when I got nothing. Like it's like all of my rebellion and stuff was was like a waste, you know? He shows up when I'm at my lowest. He shows up when I got nothing to show for it. And then he highlights it. And he says, yeah, I, I noticed you're kind of hungry in here. How about we go get something to eat? And Simon's like, dude, that's what I've been trying to do, okay? Like that's what, that's what also me has been working on all night. He said, I've, we've toiled all night. He didn't say we fish. He said, this cost me something. This nothing. It cost me a lot, okay? I've been working at this. And Jesus says, yeah, but uh, you haven't got any results. Like, you don't have anything to show for it. How about we go out for a catch? Not to fish, but for a catch. And so he tells him to put his net down. He tells him to release his net. I think it's in verse five. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we toil all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word... I will let down the net. That's a a perfect example of the dichotomy of Simon. That is Simon and Cephas, right? That's Simon and Peter. That that is a perfect example. That sentence we have caught. We we have worked all night and caught nothing. In other words, this isn't going to work. I don't think this is going to work. All all evidence suggests otherwise. I do not believe this is going to work. But at your word, I'll do what you say. So you have Simon, this is never gonna work, Jesus, because I've been working hard at this and haven't been able to accomplish it. And then you have Cephas, okay, fine. Even if I don't think it's gonna work, I'll be obedient to you. This is the Simon, which is, which is why I think after this, Luke calls him Simon Cephas, because now he's got the Cephas back. Before he just had the Simon, this isn't gonna work. So I'm, I'm throwing in the towel, I'm giving up. I'm going back to fishing. This whole following Jesus thing, not gonna work. And, but now he's added the Cephas back into it. I, don't, I still don't think it's gonna work, but because you say so, I will do so. It says when he had done it, when he had been obedient. And this is what I've realized, that God is not waiting on you to, to be confident. God's not waiting on you to, to have faith, supposed, you know, a feeling of faith. God's not waiting on you to, 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 to be sure and to wrap your head around this and to figure this out. He's waiting for you to do it, to do what he's calling you to do. We've been talking about this for a while now, uh, the, the, the difference between the truth we know and the truth we feel. You know, we we all have a certain truth that we know. We know uh, what the Bible says in large part. We know what we ought to do. We know we we know what we were raised to do. We, we there's there's a certain level of truth that we know and that seems to expand. It grows as you come to church. You you learn more and more about what the the truth that you know. The problem is though, the truth we know is never as powerful as the truth that we feel. The truth we feel will always win the battle between the truth we know and the truth we feel. Because the truth we feel is what our gut says. The truth we feel is what feels right. And and we will always go by the truth we feel. And Simon says, dude, I feel we are not going to catch anything. (laughs) Like, I am pretty certain of this. Like, it's not going to happen. There's a truth I know. I know you said we're going to catch something. But I'm telling you, the truth I feel is I'm not going to catch anything. And that always takes first place in our life. The truth that we feel. And that's true for all of us in, in all of our walks of life. We have a truth that we know and a truth that we feel. And for a long time, I think the church has, has majored on, on knowledge, on like teaching you stuff, teaching me stuff. You know, you come to church and you learn something. Heck, back in the 50s, they had Sunday school, right? And that was like, you get to learn before you learn. Like you learn something there and then you go to church and learn something. Then you go on Sunday night and learn something. Then you go on Wednesday night and learn something. You learn like like crazy. Like if you wanna learn stuff, like go to church, they'll teach you all kinds of stuff about the Bible, all kinds of things about theology and doctrine. And the truth you know will just get so big. But if any of you have been in church for more than five minutes, you are aware that oftentimes the truth we know is much bigger than the truth we do. Like we are so educated beyond our level of obedience. We are so educated beyond what we live that we could basically just turn off church. We could just turn off all learning. We could turn off all Christian radio stations and throw away all of our Christian books and just spend literally the next like 35 years doing all the stuff that we know because it's not enough to, to know something. And so it's evidence to me that that we're we're kind of missing the mark. Some things are important to know. I mean, you know it's, it's to get a revelation on learn it about, learn about something, and then do it. But for the most part, you don't learn to live. you 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 live it to learn it. There, there's some things that you're just not going to learn. There's some things that, that Peter's never uh, Simon's never gonna figure out here. He's never going to feel that that actually if I lower this net, I'm gonna catch fish. He's it's never gonna resonate with him on that level because the truth he feels just says otherwise. And that's that and that's true about many of the areas of our life. You're not going to you're you're not gonna learn it and then live it. You're going to live it and then learn it. And you're going to live it and then your living of it will preach to you. Well preach to your feelings, because that's the great question, right? How do I get a truth that I know to become the truth that I feel? How do I move it from my head to my heart? How do I, how do I, how do I resonate with Jesus when He says lower the net? When He says take that job? When He says don't date that person? When He says live here? How, 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 how do I, how do I feel that that is true? Because obviously, what I feel is true is what's going to be the most important thing, and this is the, the ingredient. It's action. You, 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 you take the truth you know, and it becomes the truth you feel when you act on it. This is seen on college campuses every day, uh, especially back in the days when hazing was legal. Um, uh, you might have, uh, I don't know if any of you were a part of a fraternity, um, but frater- fr- fraternities on college campuses, they're, they're big clubs that are mostly useless. And, um, <laughs> uh, but they try to get you to believe that it's very useful. Right, and, and, and one of the ways that they do that is through having a high entry fee. Well, if that's money, that's one thing. But usually it's like crazy stuff. Like you got to do something crazy to get into this fraternity. Like you got to stand naked in a Walmart parking lot in sub-zero weather and people throw eggs at you, you know, or something just ridiculous. And it's like if you live through that, man, then you're part of the club. And, and there's a real psychology to that. There's a real psychology to that. And th- this applies to uh, all other areas of life too. If you pay a high price with your actions, if you pay a high price for something, see, cause here's the deal, you're going to pay this high price then you're going to get into the fraternity and realize it's just a bunch of people like you that weren't in the fraternity. And it's like, w- this is kind of pointless and you're going to be tempted to be disloyal to the fraternity. But if you stood naked in a Walmart parking lot all night in the rain with eggs being thrown at you, your, your heart is gonna say, no, 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 this is valuable because I paid a high price for this. And I'm not stupid, therefore, I wouldn't pay a high price for something that's not valuable. So the truth I know would quickly become the truth I feel if I stand, so, so my altar call is not to stand naked in a Walmart parking lot. I'm just saying that this can also be used, it's, just, it's, 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 it's a psychological truth that if you pay a high price for something, you will value it. And this is true too, like for, for, for young families. If, if, you're, if you're finding it hard to, to pull yourself away from, from fun and from work and to go spend time with your kids, all you have to do is start doing it. All you have to do is sacrifice majorly for your family and you you are preaching to your heart that your family is worth it and you will start to feel that they are worth it. All you have to do is start doing acts of love, doing acts of kindness. If you wanna believe that people are worth it, but you're kinda of too lazy to get off the couch, all you have to do is actually get out the, get off the couch one day and do something for somebody else. And when you sacrifice to do something for somebody else, your, your life starts preaching to you. This is worth it, this is valuable, because I paid a high price for that. The same the same is true with church. Like, when, when you make church a priority, you might not think it's important, but then, hey, we, I've come every single Sunday at 1115, you know, this must be important. You start to preach to yourself. And the truth you know becomes a truth you feel as you act on the truth you know. And it's, and it's the most difficult thing in the world to go against what you feel, right? For, for Simon, it's gotta be so difficult when Jesus says, lower than that, and he's like, this isn't gonna work because here's the deal, your also me is always gonna be jealous of your me. It's jealous of the me that you could be. And it's found very good reasons why it is the way that it is, usually very moral reasons. Well, I am this way because I don't want to be fake. <laughs> I don't wanna lower the nets uh, not really believing. I don't think that would be correct to not have faith in Jesus. So I'm waiting till I believe before I lower these nets. Uh, because you know, I wouldn't want to be fake like 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 some of those me people. They're obviously fake because they've they're they're doing things that they don't necessarily feel. And I am uh, morally superior uh, to them in that way. And so I'm not ready to do that. And that's and that's what always happens is you're also me is is so jealous of your me is so jealous of that that it assumes that in order to be that you 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 got to be sketchy. You know, you got to be like you know you don't really. And you find moral high ground, and people do this all the time, like in, like in churches, uh, anytime a church is comparing itself to another church it's like, well, we're better because you know, it's that kind of stuff, and it, it, it doesn't even make any sense half the time and and you can do this with your own life. well, you know, I would do that, but uh, you know i I'm morally superior. i can't I can't lower myself to the standard of you'll you will always be tempted uh, to be jealous of. What, what God is calling you to step into. And so what Peter does, what Simon does, is he just lowers the net anyway. He doesn't feel it. He doesn't believe it. He just does it. <laughs> he just does what God is calling him to do. And that feels fake. But, he, but here's the deal. Until you release control, until you release the net, until you get the net out of your boat, God can't fill it which is ultimately what God wants to do. Ultimately, what Jesus wanted to do was, was give him what he had been searching for on his own. Like, like a lot of it, like more than he could handle. You know, as what Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's ultimately, Jesus wanted to fill his nets. Jesus wants to fill your finances. He wants to fill your family. He wants to fill your life. He wants to fill it with meaning and, and purpose and, and contentment, and happiness and joy, all that kind. Like he, he wants he wants to do that, but you're going to have to like listen to him. You're going to have to drop it when he says drop it. You're going to drop it where he says drop it. You're going to have to release it, get out of your control, out of your boat and allow Jesus, even if you don't don't feel it even if you're not even if you're not super spiritual at the moment and you're not feeling all of that like just simply doing it just simply saying, "Well, okay, because you said so. I will trust what you say." And this is how this is how we step from my also me to my me. This is how we become our Simon Cephas. This is how we live in that balance. We have this thought, this isn't going to work. We have this thought, I really want to do this, but we also have another thought. And that other thought is, well, if Jesus said to do it, then I'm going to be obedient to him and see what happens. So would you bow your heads for, with me for just a minute? Close your eyes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I believe there, I know there's always assignment in every service. There's several of us that come in and we're parked off to the side. And you just need to know, man, that Jesus is not going to let you go. He's not going to ignore you like you've ignored him. He's he's going to show up at various places in your life, in your car, at your work, at church. He's going to call to you, and this is another call to you, to receive his free gift of salvation, to receive his love, to to receive uh, the potential that he sees in you to agree with him about that, and to and to allow him to step into your boat. And so, if that's you today, would you raise your hand and say, "I am deciding to follow him. I am deciding to step into the boat with him. I am deciding to make that journey and to step in faith." That's awesome. And and.